0: Good morning. Um, Just continue to be grateful uh, for your presence week in and week out as we um, continue to take our worship virtual. Um, I told you last week that um, I wanted to call this series over the next couple of weeks uh, The Journey of a Lifetime. And, and and part of the reason why I I thought about that I thought about that that concept, uh, is simply because so many of the things that we are called to as believers are not things that we achieve overnight. Unity is not achieved overnight. Um, our relationship with God is something that we build on day after day after day. Uh, True community is something that does not happen instantly. All of these things are journeys that we uh, that we come together to be a part of. That we uh, that we kind of promise each other to stay in the fight, um, and it doesn't happen overnight. And so, as we talk about being a church um, that are are minded people, that justice minded people that are. Uh, primarily people who are discipled by the word of God, we realize that that's an ongoing process. And so last week, as I reflected a little bit on John chapter 15, um, and we talked about love, I really felt compelled to kind of go to the flagship uh, scripture um, about love, and primarily because one of the things that I have realized over the course of my life from my vantage point is that we don't quite understand love. And if we don't understand love, when we say things like, for God so loved the world, if love was God's motivation for what he did by sending Jesus Christ for us, then in that same way, love must be our motivation. But brothers and sisters, many of us don't have, I think, a full biblical uh concept or understanding of what love really means. And and that is not an indictment on any of us because so many of us are uh shaped by so many things outside of scripture. And that's just our reality. We are we are shaped by advertising. We are shaped by television. We are shaped by our families of origins and the and the opinions of our parents and our siblings and our friends and there's so many different things that come to shape our understanding of so many things, including love. As a matter of fact, I think that we have over-romanticized the concept of love. That 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 love most oftentimes is is talked about from an emotional standpoint. And the reality of the fact is that there is an emotional component. We talk about eros, love, erotic love, and the, the, the realization is that that is... Um, a form of love, but we also understand uh, that that love fades away. I don't know about you, but when I look back at some of my flashback Friday pictures or throwback Thursday pictures, I'm reminded of uh, a time in my life where I was probably uh, 70 pounds lighter with uh, way more defined muscles, uh, a full head of hair, and uh I was a little bit more sure <laughs> uh of myself. And I know with some surety that the, the love that my wife still has for me and still shows for me has transitioned to more of a uh love that is centered in the promise that we made and not just the fact that I was a hunk back in the day. The reality is for most of us is that we need to expand our thought process around love because we've allowed it to be romanticized by the music that we listen to, by the TV shows that we watch that are enamored with romantic love. Even to the point where I believe it affects the way that we look at our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because brothers and sisters, this text has probably been uh, extremely misused because it reads so poetically That you can get lost in the rhythm and the cadence. But this text is not a a lovely poem. This text is not a poem that should be primarily used for weddings. Because this text in actuality was written by the Apostle Paul as a strong rebuke to the church in Corinth. Paul used this letter to call them out for being a church in name but not be in church in practice. Because, brothers and sisters, what we see from the previous chapters is that this is a church full of gifted people, people who had the gift to preach, people who had the gift to teach, people who had the gift of tongues and service, and all the other spiritual gifts that we talk about. But they were more concerned about the appearance of power than they were about the sharing of the gospel message. They, they were more concerned about whose gifts were more important, whose gifts were better, whose gifts uh, should be seen or held in higher regard than they were about the realization that the proper use of those gifts could change lives. And so Paul writes this letter to challenge their thinking, and their approach. And as he gets to chapter 13, uh, he ends chapter 12, verse 20, uh, chapter 12, at about 29, he says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And so he, he, he is grabbing their attention because he is naming all of these things that the Corinthian church holds so dear. The teaching, the preaching, the speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues. And he's saying now, 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 now that we have gathered all of these things and we've talked about all these things, there's actually a better way. That, that there is something stronger than These gifts. And he begins this dissertation on love. And because this chapter is so dense, I am not going to attempt to share it all today, but I really just want to get to the prologue because it kind of sets the course for the rest. And so Paul says this, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. One of the things that that Paul does here that he often does uh, is is, is speak in the first person uh, singular. He is referring to himself in order to bring the attention and focus onto him. uh, So that the message that he's trying to convey doesn't come off or feel... um, as strong of a rebuke as it is because Paul understood that them understanding uh, love in a better way, from a better uh, viewpoint, could change their outlook. And so he draws the attention on himself. Paul was, was very concerned about making sure that he maintained a lifestyle that was above reproach. So that when he challenged the churches that he had helped found, they could find no fault in him. And so Paul says, listen, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. My first thought is this. Brothers and sisters, without love, words are meaningless. This, this, this particular verse uh, speaks to the ability that many of the leaders and teachers in that time had with words. They, they were able to wax poetically uh, with prose and, and verse. They were able to, to spew philosophical uh, ideologies that oftentimes uh, confused the believers or oftentimes led them astray it was this realization that sometimes words can be so beautiful and so beautifully crafted in such a way that you can get lost up in the, lost in the message and not often realize that there was no substance Paul is 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 pointing out a couple of things that he's addressing if i speak in the tongues of men So for those in the Corinthian church who had the gifts of tongues and were able to speak in tongues who wanted to lift that gift up above the rest, what he was saying to them is listen you can speak in tongues. As a matter of fact you can speak in the tongues of men and and you can be so deep and so gifted that you have gotten to a place where you can also speak in the tongue of angels. But if motivation, if your motivation for speaking in tongues in the assembly of believers is not guided by love, then you are a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. And theologians go back and forth and try to find deeper meaning about what he was trying to say when he used the imagery of a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. But most of them just gathered that essentially they were saying that if you had all of these gifts but didn't have love, you were just making a bunch of noise. I don't know about you, but I've been in places and spaces where I realized that the motivation for some of the things that people say and do were not love. And it changes the in, the entire tone. It changes the entire p- approach. There's this real realization that words that are not guided by love are simply meaningless. Spoken or written. So even as we think about on a more personal level, things like our missional statements or um, our doctrinal statements in our denomination and all of the things that we say that we believe in, that we are called to. If our motivation for them isn't love and the love that is guided by God, that is centered on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, if that is not our motivation, then we're just making a bunch of noise. The problem is, brothers and sisters, too many times we don't even realize that we are just making a bunch of noise. I guess I would ask myself then, it, then, then what are some things that motivate us to, to say things that we don't mean? I think, brothers and sisters, sometimes we are motivated by fear. If I, go, if I go back to my childhood, I, I, I remember vaguely uh, those times where uh, me and my sister would, would fight, and I would, I would say things in the heat of anger, and, and my parents would come in and intervene, and then there's that forced apologize to your sister. We've all been there, we've all said, I'm sorry. But I know, and you know that in that moment, we didn't really mean it. We were simply trying to avoid the trouble that our parents uh, would bring if we didn't apologize. Sometimes people speak out of guilt. Sometimes people speak out of embarrassment. I even consider some of the, the, the dialogue that's happening in our denomination right now as we talk about being a multi-ethnic mosaic, as we talk about uh, a faithful narrative and things, and purposeful narrative and things of that nature. And we we use all of these big terms. And then we see across the denomination, everybody kind of jumping on the bandwagon. But I often wonder if that's because we are worried about being left out. And the reason why I pose that question is because if our motivation and and, and following in some of the direction that we have been following is not love, then brothers and sisters, we will not accomplish what we set out to accomplish. Because we know, and you and I both know, that when you do things out of guilt, the minute that the guilt fades, the motivation Goes away, and so Paul is encouraging us and and, and and encouraging the Corinthian church, and this reminder that if we don't have love, we can be the most eloquent communicators that you've ever heard. You, we can be, we can have the most well written out mission statements, vision statements, directions, but if love is not the 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 motivator behind it then we're just making a lot of noise. Goes on in verse 2, that says this, he says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. He takes it a step further because now he's not only uh, comparing those who uh, who are gifted and use their gifts without love as a motivation to inanimate objects. But he is now saying, I am nothing. If I have, uh, if I fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am Nothing. This this is this is challenging us to to, to recognize that, that there are times where we find ourselves with all of the knowledge and all of the information, but love is not the motivation behind how we use it. Have you have, have you have you ever interacted with somebody who was who was so knowledgeable? who who was so well versed uh, uh, in a certain topic and let's to bring it back to the church who who knew the bible inside and out but somehow managed to in the in the midst of quoting scripture in the midst of uh, quoting text that you didn't feel the presence of the holy spirit in the conversation that you didn't sense that there was a deep love for people Paul is, is, is challenging those in the Corinthian church and I believe that this challenge extends to us by saying what good is the knowledge of everything in heaven and earth without a relationship with God that motivates us to love people? He, he he takes it a, a, a step further by saying, "You uh, not only can have all of the knowledge, uh, but if you have faith." <laughs> that can move mountains. If you have faith that you are able to achieve achieve the impossible and this this reminds me of the text when it talks about the faith of the size of, of a mustard seed could move mountains. If you have faith that is so strong that you can move mountains. If you have knowledge of all things in heaven and earth. If love is not your motivation then your knowledge is useless. Knowledge is useless. What good is the knowledge of God without relationship with God? And so what we are, are, are starting to see is that love then is not something that's achieved in isolation by moral giants and, and geniuses and well-versed speakers and eloquent folks. But it is achieved in a community of folks who are guided by love and are using those collective gifts to share the gospel message. But the last thing is this. In chapter 3, it says, if I give all I possess to the poor, and I give over my body the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And so, so the first thing that he says is, if, if I speak in tongues with men or angels but have not love, I'm just making a bunch of noise. If I If I have gifts of prophecy uh, and I can fathom all mysteries, um, I, I, I have all knowledge and I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love. I am nothing. And so though the world may see me as intelligent and eloquent, may see me as a gift gifted prophet. If if those things are not guided by love, then I am nothing. But then the last thing is this. Since if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You know, the interesting thing about this is because it reminds me of the world that we are in right now. To the degree that so many of us do things to be seen. What do I mean? There, 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 You ever, ever, ever noticed that now when people go on vacation. That they're posting 65 pictures a minute to the point where you start to wonder like, hey, are you actually even enjoying the vacation that you're on? Because we're so enamored by being liked. We're we're so enamored by our public perception. We we want people to see us as world travelers. We want people to see us as good. And so every time we go to a soup kitchen, we're we're posing with those we're serving. We have a a, a ladle in one hand and a camera phone in the next. That we go on these mission trips and we have more photo ops with the kids in these countries than we uh, have experiences of actually doing work. We we go live on Facebook. We go live on Instagram to get likes, to get hearts. And so much of who we are is defined by how the world sees us. I think that this is what Paul is trying to get to in this text. He, he is talking about the fact that, that so much of our sacrifice is centered around us being acknowledged for sacrificing than it is about the causes we say that we care about. And so the thought thing, brothers and sisters, is that without love, sacrifices have no impact. What, what real impact do we have if our motivation for doing the things that we do is just to be seen, is just to be liked, is just to say that we did it? Paul says, I gain nothing. As a matter of fact, mostly what we gain is whatever good feelings we get from the 100 likes that we might get on the post. But does our actions have any eternal significance? Brothers and sisters, I believe that we are a church As we go deeper into this concept of love and are reminded that everything that we do should be centered around the fact that we love God so much that we are accepting our call in the kingdom to love our neighbors so intensely that when we talk about knowing, loving and serving to make disciples, we're doing it because we know that people becoming disciples have eternal consequences not because we want more bodies in the building. We, 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 we love God so much and we love our brothers and sisters so much that when we uh, aspire to uh, embrace uh, the diversity in our communities, we're doing it because we want to make sure that anybody that walks in this door or that anybody that we come in contact with knows the deep love of Jesus Christ and that we are not just doing it because it's trendy. But that we are committed to it even when the cameras are off, even when the challenges come, even when it's not fun and it costs us something. We are doing the things that we are called to do because we know that there are eternal consequences. There are, e- are eternal, there are lives that are connected to the work that we do. And it's too important for us to not be motivated by the right thing. And so, brothers and sisters, we must make sure that anything that we attempt to do in the name of Jesus Christ in this church uh, is, is, is we, that we've checked our motivations and make sure that our actions are fueled by God-centered love. Because anything that we do that's not centered in God-type love will not have the God-sized impact that we can have. Brothers and sisters, what's our motivation? Are we motivated by love? I believe so. And so in the tough times, we stand on the love of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because God so loved us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we say thank you. Lord, as we uh, continue to talk about love over the next couple of weeks, the Lord give us the, the mental and physical space to stop and check our motivation. And, the Lord, give us the courage and the bold courage to end those moments when we realize that love is not the motivation for anything that we're doing, that we have the courage to stop, the Lord, because we want to have a God-sized impact on this world, on our community. So infuse us with the understanding and the motivation of your love. Lift these things up to you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we prepare to um, end our time together today, may you be surrounded and engulfed by the deep, deep love of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And may the love that you feel from Jesus Christ uh, fill you with so much energy, fill you with so much hope that that love becomes the motivation for everything that you do. Because the love of Christ is so transformational that when we share it and when we spread it, people who don't know Jesus will begin to understand that they are loved. So now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide till each of us, until we all shall meet again. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Amen.